Hi. In case you're not from Brazil, where we are now very famous, allow us to introduce ourselves. We're Cam. All Canada division that is Canada. <laughs> the all Canada. Chris. You trade those John, two guys John. for a clone machine, and you clone Trent Frederick, and you have a whole fourth line of Trent Fredericks. And Drew. Didn't they? Didn't he drop a? Sh not not like actually take a, sh but the guy said. Sh Our podcast kind of. Uh, definitely started out as a joke and we've decided to keep it that way but that's why we surround ourselves with smart people who really know what they're talking about game and a half that she played she looked so dominant and just such a good like good spot on this team and uh, he'll take off in terms of being more active in the oak zone and, and you know be more active in the transition game because there is so much involved with technical development and physical development and injuries that can really impact it so so tune in the Bruins and Bruins, 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 Bruins podcast, the, the hockey podcast network podcast, presented by Bruins Diehard. Sixty-eight teams started the tournament. Only the best have survived. From Oral Roberts making it all the way to the Sweet Sixteen to the Pac-12 Conference dominating the tournament, there has been a boatload of craziness in this year's March Madness. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. Turning $1 into $100 is 100 to 1 odds. This, my friends, is a great, great deal. Pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot at winning $100. All it takes is a $1 bet and that team winning their next game. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry, if college basketball isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook offers daily odds, boosts on pro basketball, hockey, golf, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $1 hundred dollars if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the victory that's code thpn to turn one dollar into one hundred dollars for a limited time only at DraftKings sportsbook must be 21 or older new jersey indiana or pennsylvania only new customers only restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in indiana 109 with IT. Welcome Red to New York. Ball. This is the Devil's State, State of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you by the Hockey, by the Hockey podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your here's host, host, Neil Villapiano!
is going on, Doubles fans? It is once again your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome back to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here exclusively on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news and topics going on about your New Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you, as always, for taking some time to listen to this episode and all the episodes. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Folks, today is going to be probably a, I guess I would say, shorter episode, only because there isn't that much to talk about. We're obviously going to be talking about the Devils game on Tuesday against the Boston Bruins, and then we're going to be more or less kind of previewing uh, the upcoming rest of the week as we have a game on Friday and also I think one or two games of the weekend I have to double check. But we still have a bunch to talk about, so let's not waste any more time and drop the puck. So like I said, we're going to first talk about the Devils game against the Bruins. This was the second of back-to-back well, not necessarily back-to-back, but the second of a two-game series against the Bruins in Boston. This was also the final game of the six-game road trip or five-game road trip. I already forgot how many games it was. Um, and, yeah, no, five-game road trip, now I remember. And so, obviously, the Devils were looking to try to finish the road trip, winning four out of a possible uh, six games. I, I'm really bad today with remembering, you know, how many games are on this road trip because it it feels like a long time since the last time the Devils played at home, uh, considering, you know, the whole situation that, that we were having. But again, the Devils were coming in looking to try to finish the road trip on a high note. And what better team to do that against than the team that you've had the most success against in this entire division and the Boston Bruins. The, the Devils coming in 4-0-1 or yeah, 4-0-1, and they're trying to finish this season, this regular season, going undefeated on the road in Boston. The Devils have already won three games in Boston, and they were looking for their fourth. They're coming off a one nothing shutout on Sunday against the same Bruins team. And interestingly enough, the Bruins are coming into this game having not scored in either of the last two games, if you remember. The game before the one on Sunday, Scott Witchwood was in net, and he got a shutout. So Blackwood followed with a shutout of his own. So the Bruins were coming into this one. Not only were they struggling to score just even strike goals against the Devils, they were struggling to score goals in general against the Devils. And I remember um, one of the broadcasters from the Bruins side was basically talking about how, oh, this Devils team is basically the Bruins' nemesis. And it's it's a really funny thing because you think about the fact that, you know, the Devils are obviously in the position that they're in, trying to maybe, just maybe keep what little playoff hopes that we have alive. Um, and considering, you know, where we are with our team and you consider where the Bruins are with their team, you wouldn't necessarily think that we would be considered a nemesis of a team as good as Boston is. But obviously the Devils were coming into this one on a high, a lot of confidence. And I would say right away and through the majority of the first period, the Devils really, really looked like a confident hockey team. And I remember saying that to some people I was watching the game with. I said, what you're seeing right now is a confident hockey team you're seeing a team that believes that they can win believes they can score goals and believes that it can can compete with the best that the nhl and especially this division has to offer and the devils really wasted no time because just 88 seconds in this is what happened pk suban 
I don't know if he necessarily tried to pass this puck or just shoot it, but the Bruins were trying to clear it out of their zone. Subban was still at the top of the blue line, and he was able to keep the puck just on sides. And there was not one but two Devils players all alone in front of the net because obviously the Bruins were expecting it to be a full clear out of their zone. And Miles Wood got the puck, had all day, and he wrist-shotted it past the glove side of Yaroslav Halakin into the net, and the Devils grabbed a one nothing lead. That was Miles Wood's 11th goal of the season. That is his team leading 11th goal of the season. And also, that was his fourth goal of the year against the Boston Bruins. So we talked about before how Kyle Palmieri seems to love playing Boston. Well, Miles Wood apparently loves playing against Boston as well. And, and maybe it's a little bit of that, um, I think, he, yeah, that little Boston College type of um type of attitude and type of reasoning, but he seems to really enjoy playing in Boston and playing against the Bruins. And as a result there, he got himself a goal and the Devils grabbed themselves a one nothing lead. But it didn't last that long. About three and a half minutes later, Nick Ritchie took a shot from the far right side that, you know, look, nine times out of 10, it's an easy save. But for some reason, Blackwood did not fully get his glove on this puck. It popped over his shoulder and into the net to tie the game. And what was frustrating about that goal was a couple of things. Number one, obviously, it was a goal that Blackwood should have had. There's no question about it. That goal should not have happened. It was a it was a weak goal, to put it very bluntly. And I get and I put all the blame completely on, on Blackwood. That was also the first even strength goal of the season for the Boston Bruins against the Devils this year. It took them 16 periods. To do that. And yeah, it is frustrating because if you think about the amount of success that we just had in general in all phases against this Bruins team, it's a tough pill to swallow. But it's one of those things where you say, I guess all good things must eventually come to an end. And that was the situation there. But certainly that was a goal that Blackwood would have definitely liked to have had back. But nonetheless, into the net and it is tied at one. But the Devils. What they've been doing recently, and they did it in this situation, was that instead of just playing back and allowing Boston to come back and respond even more and maybe even get themselves the lead, the Devils went right back on the attack. And then we got a bounce. And look, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of luck at all. Because in this situation, it was one of those things where one of the Devils defensemen had the puck uh, to the right almost behind the net. He passed it out to Jesper Boquist, who got a piece of it with his stick. It hit off of a Bruins skate and then was able to be outletted to Michael McLeod, who had a step on Bruins defensive Matt Grizzlick, and he was, was able to go from his back, from his forehand to his backhand, and he beat Yaroslav Alok's stick side to give the Devils the lead back at 2-1. to one. And I'm starting to think that this is Michael McLeod's kind of signature move, you know, the forehand to the backhand, because that's the second time in the last handful of games that he's done that, and he's having a lot of success. And this is the thing that really makes me happy about seeing someone like Michael McLeod having the success he had, or Eminem, as I like to call him. For several years, Michael McLeod kept coming up and down from the minors to the NHL. He would play two or three games and he just, he seemed to have like the worst luck I've ever seen. He just could not score. He would have golden opportunities and he would get robbed and hit the post. We, you know, I remember that game against Arizona the previous year where we all thought it was his goal, but it turned out it wasn't because somebody else deflected it in front. You know, it was all these things. 
And even in the beginning of this year, it felt like that trend was going to continue. But after he got himself officially his first National Hockey League goal, he seemed to just turn it on and started to show some of the talent that made him a first-round pick in his draft year. And this is the type of Michael McLeod that everybody is just ecstatic to see because he brings a lot of energy, he has speed, he has some really good stick-handling ability, and when you give him an opportunity, very similar to Miles Wood, you give him a, a puck and you lead him on, he's going to be able to use his speed to get in front of the defender, and that's what you saw in that play. And as a result, the Devils were able to get the lead back. And again, I was sitting there saying to myself, who is this Devils team? You know, it, it's amazing. It's like when we play Boston, we look like world beaters. We look like a team that can easily compete for a playoff spot. But when we play almost virtually any other team in this division, particularly the Washington Capitals, we, we don't look as consistently good. And that's the kind of thing. And to me, my answer to why we're seeing that is primarily having to do with matchups. I think that if you look at the situation, you look at the way Boston plays and, and, and the entire you know formation slash system that they have, I think the Devils have just been able to more or less exploit it and understand what it takes to beat it. And so they've had the success. And I'm almost certain that other teams have seen that and wondered how are they having that much success? What can we use from them to give us an opportunity to beat that same Bruins team? And remember, the Bruins are depleted. They were able to get Marchand back in the lineup for this game, but they still have, you know, missing a handful of guys, particularly on the defensive side. And so, again, this was an opportunity for the Devils to take advantage of a somewhat depleted Bruins team. Obviously not as depleted as the game before, but still a, a somewhat depleted team. But you can't count out the perfection line of David Pasternak, Patrice Bergeron, and obviously Brad Marchand. But after the first period, the Devils had a 2-1 lead. Now, in the second period, the Devils continued to pick up where they left off in the first period, and they wasted no time. They, again, getting pucks in the net, being aggressive, and eventually the Devils got an opportunity to score when Jesper Bratt took a shot that was deflected by Travis Zajac and into the net, and the Devils grabbed themselves a 3-1 lead. And that was also a milestone goal for Travis Zajac, that was the 200th goal of his National Hockey League career, his 200th, obviously, as a New Jersey Devil, which moves him into a, which moves him into fourth place on the Devil's all-time list for goals. He is two goals behind Bobby Holik, who's in third with 202. John McLean is in second with 347. And Patrick Elias, not surprisingly, is in first with 408. So... I think there's a chance that Jack could finish his Devils career at least in third place, um, but he would really have to all of a sudden become the second coming of Ovechkin and in his late 30s for him to even have a chance to reach John McLean's, um, you know, second place talent. But still a tremendous accomplishment by Travis Jack and well-deserved. And I want to backtrack a little bit because the Bruins scored virtually about a minute into the second period, which had presumably tied the game. But the refs, well, one of the referees, he didn't wave it off. He went immediately to center ice and said, not as a goalie interference, he said that there was incidental contact with a Bruins player on Mackenzie Blackwood. And then you look at the replay, it was clearly that Blackwood was interfered with. Now, this didn't result in a penalty. It just resulted in a no goal. So the Devils took that opportunity and were able to cash in on it by scoring that goal by Travis Zajac. 
But I would say this, honestly and truly, even though the Devils were able to score another goal later on, and we'll get into that in a second, from that point on, when it was 3-1, to one, the Bruins were the better team. I just think that's plain and simple. I just think that the Bruins decided at that point they were not going to subject themselves to losing again to the Devils again at home. And Brad Marchand being the type of player that he is, the instigator, the rat that some people call him, you know, the, the pain in the ass, if you want to call him that too. That's what I basically call him. Um, you know, he did what he could to try to get his team back in this game. And it started first where there was a, a cover-up where, you know, Blackwood made a save, he covered the puck, and then there was some pushing and shoving in front of the net. And Marchand, from behind, grabbed Ty Smith and threw his helmet to the ground and actually was trying to fight him. It was like taking some swings. They both went down to the ground and the referees had to separate them. And they ended up giving only a penalty to Brad Marchand for, I guess, instigating. I don't really know exactly. I thought they were going to call coincidental double, um, coincidental minor penalties against both teams in that situation, but it turned out to not be the case. And it ended up being a devil's power play. But the thing about Brad Marchand that I've noticed is that when he plays the Devils, he likes to go after the young guys, like the, the, the guys that are expected to be franchise players. So he's gone after Jack Hughes, and he took a penalty for it. He went after Ty Smith in this game, and he took a penalty for it. So I don't really know what his end game is. Again, I think mainly it has to do with – I don't think – I think it's just a coincidence. I don't think it's anything – uh, necessarily direct, honestly. I know Mar Marshan could be, you know, a guy that does some really weird stuff and goes after specific people, but I don't think it was, it, it's, it's that situation in either of these cases, uh, maybe more in the Jack Hughes situation. But again, I think Marshan was just trying to get his team back in the game and it ended up working out later on in that period. And he actually took it upon himself. The Devils went on the power on the penalty kill and they were just about to kill it. There was about 10 or 11 seconds left and the Devils were caught a little flat footed. Marchand was, you know, pretty open in the slot and he did have a defender in front of him, but he took her, he used the defender to screen Mackenzie Blackwood, took a wrist shot that beat Blackwood's stick side and the Bruins were able to cut the deficit to three to two. So if anybody was going to get this team back in this game, not surprisingly, it's going to be somebody like Marchand bringing that energy both physically and obviously getting on the score sheet. But the Devils were able to respond pretty quickly. There was a face-off to the left of Yaroslav Holak, and Jack Hughes lost the face-off. And the defenseman, I believe it might have been Connor Clifton, but a defenseman for the Bruins was trying to clear the puck out, and he whiffed on it. And Paul Mary, who was standing on that left side, was able to take it away, take a wrist shot, that beat Halak's stick side, and the Devils regained the two-goal lead at 4-2. to two. And that was big. And that's where the score stood going into the second intermission. And you look at other opportunities in this game. Miles Wood had two other breakaway chances in this game where he would have scored. He could have scored, especially the one where Halak just got a piece of it. He doesn't get that piece. I'm almost certain that puck's in the back of the net. Miles Wood, if he had had things going 100% in that game, he would have had a hat trick. Palmieri had a breakaway where he was wide open in the front on a great pass from Jack Hughes, got denied. So the Devils did have some opportunities to really blow this one open and to really grab a huge goal lead in this one. But I looked at it and I said, you know, the Devils have had one goal leads like they had in the game on Sunday against Boston, and they've gone into their defensive shell 
but it worked out. So I'm confident that having a multiple goal lead, even though we know the Devils are accustomed to blowing multiple goal leads, I had good confidence that the Devils would find a way to not win four to two or five to two. I was expecting them to probably give up at least one goal and hold on for a four, three victory. That was kind of my expectation in this one. And it really, unfortunately did not happen that way. And it started with right from the right, honestly, from the first 10 minutes, uh, 10 seconds, actually, like the Bruins had an opportunity right off the faceoff and Mackenzie Blackwood had to make a tough save. And right from that point, I said to myself, uh, the devils are falling into their shell again, aren't they? And that's exactly what happened. The devils really just were holding on for dear life in that period. And, you know, the devil's defense at times can be bent, but don't break. And in this situation, it bent and ended up breaking because, you know, Charlie McAvoy scored on a rebound that, again, honestly, Blackwood should have probably gotten it. It did hit off of his arm and in. Um, I think nine times out of ten, Blackwood makes that save. You know, if we're going back to Sunday, he probably does make that save. But McAvoy scored on a rebound at the 938 with 938 to go in this game. And it was four to three. And, you know, nine and a half minutes to go up by one. With the Devils being the Devils, you knew that it was going to go one of two ways. Either we were going to somehow find a way to hold on to this lead and win this game, or we're going to end up collapsing. And unfortunately, with exactly four minutes left, as the Bruins continued to put on the pressure, Matt Grizzlick, who had gotten beat earlier in this game by Matt, Mike McLeod to give the Devils their lead that they had had up until this point, he scored a goal, a wrist shot, Past Blackwood, might have been screened a little bit, stick side, and the Bruins tied the game at four. And I hate saying this, guys, but at that moment, I knew we weren't going to win this game because you could just see that the Bruins were clicking on all cylinders. They were, they had the crowd behind them. Everything was clicking, and the Devils were just holding on. And Blackwood made three or four incredible saves. Even Jesper Bratt made a great stop with his stick on a shot opportunity. I mean, the Bruins had chances to score up until there was no time left in the third period. And, you know, but unfortunately, but fortunately for us, Blackwood was able to stand tall and keep the Bruins from scoring for the rest of that period. And we had to go to overtime. So at least we continue to get at least one point against this Bruins team. And then you go into the overtime period. And again, the line combinations for overtime are confusing to me. Like you had Zaka with Severson and I think it was McLeod to start while the Bruins had, you know, Marchand, Bergeron and McAvoy it was like, are you just asking to get scored on right away? And the Bruins had two or three opportunities right off the jump, right off the first puck drop to score in overtime to win this game. But Blackwood continued to stand on his head. That was the best game I have seen him play where he gave up three or more goals. You know, and again, you look at, he gave up four goals. You'd say, hey, he didn't play that well. He actually was pretty damn good stopping 40 of 44 shots. He really did everything he could to keep the Devils with an opportunity to score and Damon Severson got a breakaway with about two and a half minutes left and he got a shot off and he actually drew a penalty and I thought at first they were to call a penalty shot I would say penalty shot penalty shot penalty shot nope the ref just called a slash and the Devils went to the power play so this was obviously a big moment in the game 
for the Devils to score here and still find a way to win this game despite blowing a two-goal lead. The Devils had maybe one or two shots, honestly. They really just passed the puck way too much, and they really didn't generate enough chances to give themselves an opportunity to score that goal, and the game ended up having to go to a shootout. And again, guys, you and I both know, with the way the Devils play in shootouts, you knew that there was really very little to no chance we were going to win in the shootout. And right away, we it, it was very obvious. Zaka came up first. He tried to – he didn't even make that much of a move. It was a pretty easy save for Halak, and that was that. Um, Bruins player ended up scoring. I think it was either Bergeron or Marshan. Um, it might have been Bergeron who scored. I don't remember at this point. Bergeron scores. Um, he just was able to beat Blackwood. He waited a little bit longer and, you know, got Blackwood out of position and scored. And then Palmieri comes in and takes a pretty weak shot, trying to go five hole. Halak makes the save. And then David Pasternak, who the Devils have done a good job so far this season, slowing him down, not getting him on the score sheet. He's able to put the game away. Same thing as the first Bruins player had. He just got him out of position, scored, and that was it. It was a very quick, very frustrating shootout and the devils ended up losing this one in a shootout five to four now again we're a young team so we're going to have games like this where the team just struggles to you know find a way to win a game like that but i will say once again and we've talked about this before we have had many games in the past four or five years where the devils had a multiple goal lead and ended up blowing it and losing the game altogether, whether it was in regulation, overtime, or shootout. And I don't have as much patience for that type of those type of losses as some other people do because I'm tired of seeing that. I don't want to see that anymore. I want to see this team believe that they can win these games, get multiple goal leads, and not allow the other team to get back in it. And it really has to start with you get a multiple goal lead and you keep attacking. You don't lean back. You don't play back. You don't allow the team, the your opponent to just do whatever they want offensively. And that and they just fell apart in the third period. They fell apart for the majority of overtime and they certainly fell apart in the shootout. And that was the frustrating thing with this. It is a positive in a way that the Devils were able to get a point. The thing that I find kind of interesting is that the day before on Monday, when Lindy Ruff was speaking to the media, he had made a comment that was saying, Hey, look, we're only eight or nine points out with a handful of games left with 15 plus games left. We're still in it. And he was talking about still being in it to compete for the playoffs, which I mean, let's be honest. A lot of us Devils fans, we're not really thinking about this team making a run at the playoffs, even though it's still very possible and we're not mathematically eliminated at this moment. But just considering the situations that we're in, you know, it, it doesn't look very good. Um, but that got me confident, especially with how the Devils had played the last couple of games and how they had played against Boston on Sunday. It said, yeah, you know what? We win this game. We're only six, seven points behind Boston. We could do this, especially because we know we're going to be playing teams for the most part that are going to be that are in front of us. And we could gain ground on them very, very quickly. And losing a game like they did, um, frustrates me. And what frustrates me more is that we know what's coming next. Um, Friday, we're at home for the first time in about a week and a half, and we're playing the Washington Capitals, who we have yet to win 
at all against them. And we're coming off losing back-to-back games against them last week. So there isn't a lot of confidence from my standpoint going into this game. But hockey is such a magical, unpredictable sport that you never know what could happen in, in these games. So for all I know, the Devils could come out in that game against the Capitals on Friday and light the house on fire and just completely dominate. But the Devils really haven't had a game this year where they've dominated. The games that they've won, they just competed and they were able to grind them out. So I don't expect them, if they are going to win, I don't expect it to be a clean game. I expect them to have to win three to two, four to three to just, you know, secure a victory. So it's obviously tough. It's a very tough situation. It was a frustrating loss to have because at the end of the day, whether you want to agree with me or not, the Devils should have won that game. Plain and simple. They were the better team up until they grabbed the 4-2 lead. After that point, they went back to their defensive penalty kill-like you know, mode, and they allowed the Bruins to do whatever they want. And that was a frustrating thing because it's a depleted Bruins team. It's a completed Bruins team. And that, and that was the thing. We had them on the ropes, and we let it slip away. And we've done that too many times this year, and have done that too many times in seasons past. And I know we're a young team, and I know we're rebuilding, and all those happy horse manure comments that people like to tell me. But at the end of the day, you still have to find a way to win these games. The best way you're going to learn to become a great team is to find a way to win those games. And the Devils have to have guys that are confident enough that believe in that. And I'm talking to the veterans specifically that are going to say, hey, we are not going to lose this game. I know it seems bleak right now. We just gave up two goals, but we are not losing this game. We are going to find a way to get that next goal and win this game. And we need guys to be getting in people's faces and saying that, especially for a young team, because they need to believe that. They don't want to start their career with that mentality of, oh, when we get a multiple goal lead, we're not going to find a way to win. No, that's bullshit. You have to find a way to win these type of games. That's how you become, you go from being a rebuilding team to a competitive playoff contending and eventual Stanley Cup contending team. That's the difference. You have to find a way. You really do. And there were a couple other things that uh, I just want to point out. For Yaroslav Halak, this is a crazy stat that I didn't realize. That was the first time that he had beaten the Devils since 2018. Isn't that nuts? It's taken him nearly two seasons for him to beat the Devils. The several times that he's played against the Devils this year, he hasn't won, obviously. And, you know, it, it, that was kind of a, a remarkable thing. And then you look at the situation with, you know, scoring even strength goals. Um, three of the four goals, well, two of the three goals that actually counted uh, were scored even strength. So, like I said, all good things must come to an end. It's our first loss. Uh, well, not really our first loss, but uh, our second loss actually against the Bruins. And the good news is, is that we have only two more games against them. And both of them are at home, I believe, in the first week of May. So we do have some time before the next time we play these guys. And still to finish the road trip, getting points in every game except, well, every game except the two against the Capitals is a pretty, pretty good job. Now, let's quickly talk about the games coming up the rest of the week. So, like I mentioned, the Devils will be playing on Friday, not Thursday, first time in, again, don't know the last time the Devils didn't play on a Thursday, but the Devils will be playing on Friday night against the Capitals at home. This will be the first of a three-game homestand. And then they play Washington again on Sunday. So once again, we are playing 
two games in a row against this Capitals team. The other game will be this Sunday at three o'clock as a random day game time. And then you look at this next week and it's going to be interesting. And look, guys, here's the other thing. We are very close to that four game series against the New York Rangers. And we know that's going to be the most I guess you would say important series of the season because it's giving us a chance to regain some confidence against the Rangers team. We had some early success with, and now we've struggled with before and it gives us a chance to just, you know, get this rivalry back to where it was um, before. And we know how intense it's going to be, especially with these teams playing against each other, you know, know, four games in a row. It's going to be, it's going to be a really, really fun week, but the next couple of games are, like I said, Washington on Friday, then Washington again on Sunday, and then this next week coming up, it'll be Buffalo on Tuesday, and then Buffalo again on Thursday, and then Pittsburgh on Friday. And we'll talk about the Sabres really quick. I mean, 18 consecutive losses. It might be 19, depending on how they do tonight. I'm recording this on March 31st, so we'll see how they do tonight. Um, I'm kind of hoping that the Sabres find a way to win a game prior to playing the Devils in the next two because if there's any team the Sabres have been able to have success against, it's us. So I don't want to be in that position where then we're playing them in two games in a row and they have confidence that they can beat us. So it's going to be interesting. And also, you have to remember, we are we are a little less than two weeks away from the trade deadline. Um, when more rumors and more reports come out, I will obviously talk about them here on the podcast and share it with you on social media. And it, it'll be really interesting to see what guys end up staying and what guys end up going. And the last thing I want to say really quickly is that Tice Thompson, uh, the kid from Providence who we signed to an entry level contract uh, last week, is just about done with his quarantine and he will be joining the Devils for practice tomorrow. So, and then he'll be playing with the team. I don't know how many games will actually be playing with the Devils before maybe they send him down to the minors. I don't know what their plan is. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he performs when he gets his opportunity. It's going to be exciting because it's going to be a new guy, just another one of the many guys that's getting their first crack at the National Hockey League this year. What's going on, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. If you want to check out more of the podcast, here's what you do. You go wherever you listen to podcasts, so that could be Spotify, that could be iTunes, that could be Google Podcasts, you know, where, wherever you listen to podcasts, you go and you search Devil's State of Mind, and you will find the new episodes that we post every week on both Mondays and Thursdays. Please also go check out the Hockey Podcast Network as a whole. We have podcasts for all the teams in the NHL, as well as other great hockey podcasts. So just like with Devil's State of Mind, just search Hockey Podcast Network, and you can see all of the podcasts that we have on this great network. You can follow the Devil's State of Mind on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil State, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Devil's State of Mind. Make sure to also follow the Hockey Podcast Network on all social media platforms. Just search at H-O-C-K-E-Y, Hockey, P-O-D, Pod, N-E-T, Net. If you want to listen to more of my voice, 
Go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Podcast, where I talk about all things going on in the wide world of sports. New episodes go out every Monday and Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Presents channel on YouTube, where just like the podcast, I talk about different topics that are going on in the world of sports as well. New videos go out every single Tuesday on YouTube. So it's spelled M-O-F-O-B-O Network Presents, and you will find it. Again, new videos out every Tuesday. You can stay up to date with all the new episodes and videos by following me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W, my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11, and also Mofobo Network on Facebook. And last, but certainly not least, go check out both my books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble right now. The first is J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Agony and the Ecstasy, Nah, no ecstasy of being a Jets fan. This book is about all the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So from all the painful moves, painful games, painful player decisions, painful ownership decisions, you know, where, you know anything you could think of, it's in this book. So this is really for the Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know someone of those, or if you just want to support me, go check out that book. The other book that I just published recently is titled Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. This one is all about the regrets of being a Mets fan. And even through world championships in 1969 and 1986, there was so much regret between those years, between those years, as well as the years following 1986. Both of these books are available for both hardcover and ebook for the price of 1969. So if you're a Jets fan or a Mets fan, or by some chance you're both, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So again, please go check out both of those books. The first one, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Pain and Suffering of Being a New York Jets Fan, and also Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. So once again, thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. My name is Neil Villapiano, and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone continue to be the amazing people that you are, you know, every single day. You know, always remember to just be yourself and continue to kick absolute butt. And one last thing, rock on. Woo!